Hi, folks. Welcome to the Gospel of Kennison, episode uh, 69. Ooh, this one's going to be interesting. It's um, it's it's, a, it's about handling fear and fighting fear. Specifically, I'm going to tell you a bit of a story of my son and I's experience combating his fears. Um, and I'm going to try to lay it out, you know, like a step-by-step thing, even though... I'm not trying to be the top 10 reasons or the top 10 suggestions for clearing fear from your child's life. But I think, I think it's universal, just universal enough of a concept that where if you have fears or anxiety, um, that, uh, it'll help you. So I recently learned something that, uh, when we think about the future, we get anxious. It's about, about anxiety. It's called worry. Anxiety causes anxiety. When we think about our past too much, um, it's called rumination. And um, that is all about depression. (laughs) So for us grownups, I want you to listen through this and see if any of it uh, could help you with your anxiety instead of your fear or, you know, if if fear is part of your anxiety, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I think you got it. Um, Basically, my son was very scared um, to go downstairs and shower. So I was like, okay, um, why don't you go upstairs and shower? It's just as scary up there. I'm like, okay, so what's the issue? What are we, what are we scared of? And, um, and he says, I just need somebody on the same floor as me because I'm, I'm scared. And that's when I realized um, we had to do something. The guy's 10 years old, okay? He's allowed to be afraid, blah, blah, blah. But this has been an issue for a long time. That's what Jenna told me as I'm sitting there talking to him, uh, that this has been the case for a very long time. And I'm like, good Lord. First of all, nobody told me thank you. Secondly, it's teachable moment time. We got we to gotta help him. We got to help him. Cause it's not it, it. Though it may be okay to be a little bit scared at ten, it's not okay at sixteen. So something's got to change between now and then, and he can figure it out on his own. But it's a lot less painful if someone, you know, a parent, preferably, is there to help lead him through it. And that's one of the disclaimers I want to put on this whole thing: that if you get this in your head and you want to do it or try it, you have a kid that's scared. Uh, especially irrational fears. Um, the success of what I did last night relied 100% on my relationship with my child. Um, if he didn't respect me, um, and I'm talking about a, mu- a relationship that is based on mutual respect where I am still the boss, where I, I respect him and I, 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 uh, I care for him, take care of him, blah, blah, blah. Um, but he understands that I'm the caregiver and I pay for everything. So what I say goes, uh, I think a relationship like that is very, very mandatory because if they don't respect you, they're not going to believe what you're going to tell them. Okay. Uh, you also need a, a, a trusting, they need to be, able, they need to have a trusting relationship with you. Um, if, if that's not you and you're not a trustworthy person, that's 
primarily the reason for their fear. So you got to be someone who's been there for them. And we're not talking, you know, helicoptering doesn't count this time. We're talking about were you there when it counted most? When he, you know, woke up in the middle of the night puking his guts out, did you roll over and go to sleep or did you get up with him and, and help him through it? You know, um, they, are, are you someone they trust? So my folks uh, uh, were not those people. <laughs> and I was horribly afraid as a kid. I think I've shared on other shows how I was scared about stupid stuff. Um, Dr. Seuss books, especially, oh gosh, the Walket in my pocket. Yeah, there was a wug under the rug, and there was, oh, uh, it's this basement scene. It's scary as crap. And and I kept trying to go in my folks' room, and they would try to tell me all these scriptures, um, which helped uh, only because, really, because I was in the room with them. Um, but then eventually they'd get tired and send me back to bed, and made it illegal for me to come back and mess with them. And they decided that playing, uh, of all things, the Bible on tape um, constantly throughout the night would somehow, like a magic spell, keep all of the fear away. Of course, I'm a kid. I'm down with that. I was probably 10. I'm like, yep, this would be great. They hit play and leave. And the announcements go up about who's reading and this, that, and the other. And then the speaker, the proper speaker, not the announcement speaker, begins. And he's like, in the beginning. Wait, no, <laughs> that's not doing him right. Um, in, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it was good. Okay, so uh, Vincent Price was reading me the Bible, basically. And I'd be laying there trying to sleep, go to sleep. You know, the voice is creepy. But it's somewhat comforting to have, you know, this the idea of the Bible is being read to me. It's, it's pretty good. But then you'd wake up in the middle of the night and he'd be in Judges and you're hearing, the, uh, Ehud reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh and plunged it into the king's belly. Even the handle sank in after the blade and his bowels discharged. Ehud did not pull the sword out and the fat closed over it. Oh no, Mom. I mean, not everything in the Bible is comforting. <laughs> it's all useful for different things, but but not for everything. I'm sorry to say. And Ehud, though it's an amazing story that they will never tell you in kindergarten, um, it's it's more about Samson, really. You know, that's the judge we like. Uh, tragic story, but uh, yeah, but left-handed Ehud. Who, who lost his dagger in, inside the guts of a, a fat guy. Um, not real comforting. So I wanted to try something different with my child. <laughs> Even though Bible on tape is much more accessible, you know, you, you don't need tapes or anything. You don't have to rewind or flip them over or be woken up when they click at the end and stop. <sighs> All right, so here it is. Um, as I mentioned, he told me he was afraid. And when I found out he was afraid a long time, I knew we had to deal with something. So the first thing I did is I wanted to identify the real issue. Um, and so I talked to him and, 
and and like I said, he was afraid upstairs. He's afraid downstairs. He he was not being disobedient. He was not um, trying to get out of taking showers. You know, you, you kind of wonder that at first, especially I think dads are pretty critical of their sons. Um, but I found out his his primary issue was fear. Um, what it, you know, he wants someone on the same floor. And so the bat, the bathrooms, though we have three, um, one's in the basement and two are upstairs and one is ours. So they really only have the two, um, and the fat closed over it. I'm still scared. Uh, so, so he wants someone on the floor, but the main floor where everybody is, um, and where I needed to be at that point, uh, you know, is it doesn't have a shower on that floor, so he's uh, he's feeling scared, just feeling like he's alone on the on the floor. And um, I was like, "Why do you need somebody there?" He said, "It makes me feel less scared." Now, at first, I wanted to just argue with him. First, I'm like, "Jay, do you realize we're standing right over the bathroom right now downstairs?" And we would we would literally be closer to you on this floor than we would if we were if I was in my office next to you. Um, so, but I backed off, and I started to think um, that we needed to have a conversation. I've recently been in a group therapy uh, situation and gotten some coping mechanisms on how to handle. Um, stress and anxiety and that's basically what fear is for kids it's a whole bunch of anxiety so i figured some of the same methods would work so after i um identified the issue i wanted to lead a conversation um i wanted to help him process find out what he was afraid of process those fears add a light of reality to every single one of them and see if they still held up Basically, um, your goal here through this whole thing is to stack up evidence that logically um, makes, I mean, it just, it shows those irrational fears as just that, irrational fears. So um, when you leave this conversation, uh, try to do, try to, try to wait for an answer. You can coach them uh, to the answer if they need help, but it needs to be their idea and they must say it out loud. That is kind of the point of the therapy part of it is taking things from the irrational side of your brain and, uh, looking at it under a microscope with, with your conscious mind and, um, and then, and then proving or disproving through evidence, uh, if if the uh, fear is legitimate or not, and it actually works, it works for grownups with anxiety. It works for kids with fear. So um, you need to get every negative feeling out on the table and pick it apart. Um, talking about it will make their fears from their unconscious mind and and, and help them to process it with their conscious mind. So um, I asked him, "What what are you scared of?" And he says, "Well." He was, he was kind of vague at first, and, and he's like, I'm scared of the guy from the Goonies. And we're talking about the uh, Chunk, or not Chunk, Chunk's friend, uh, oh, 
Oh, I can't remember his name all of a sudden. Geek cred is going down. Is it? Chug? No, Chunk is a fat kid. I don't know. Anyway, he's the guy with a drippy eye. That's all I know. So, uh, but, but, you know, he's basically going on and saying pretty much anyone, um, though, who could come in and kill me. He's, he's just afraid of being killed, which is dark. Holy crap. You know, um, I was just afraid of things like things getting you. I don't know what they were doing when they got you. And if they'd take you away or, you know, like I thought there was a guy under the bed and he was going to grab my, <laughs> he had an ax and, um, and he was either going to pull my leg if it went too close. So I'd have to jump like Michael Jordan from the door to the bed. So you couldn't get me. Or, um, if you, if you kicked your leg out of the side or held your hand out over the side, then the ax would slice right along the edge of the bed and cut off your hand. I never thought past any of those things. Like, what was he doing under the bed? Why was he pulling on my leg? I, I wasn't thinking about any of the logic and, and, and the rationality or irrationality of it. And, um, like, for instance, that my mom would hear me scream and come running, and the guy under the bed would have some explaining to do, and there would be police. And, you know, <laughs> you don't think about that kind of stuff. And so kids need help. And the more of those ideas that can come out from their mind instead of your mouth, uh, the more it'll help them. So that's what I was saying. Scared of what? He's scared of the guy from Goonies. He says, my mind makes him even scarier than, I, than he is. And so I asked him, I'm like, could that character hurt you? And he's like, yes, yes. He's big. He's scary. And I said, Jay, what's a character? I'm not talking about a person. I didn't say a person. I said, could that character hurt you? He says, characters aren't real. Those were out of his words out of his mouth. So could that character hurt you? No, he says. I said, say it. Say the whole thing. That character couldn't hurt me. Yeah, because he's not real. So um, what, what else? <laughs> what else are you scared of? Um, people popping up in dark windows, clowns, mostly I, I tried not to laugh. I didn't laugh. I said, but okay. So first of all, let's, let's talk through that. Uh, what are clowns? Um, scary. No, no, no. In real life, who are clowns? And there, there are people who, what dress up? And makeup and stuff. And what do they do? They do birthday parties mostly. Exactly. I have never met a clown. Even though I don't like them. That wanted to run around a neighborhood. Looking through windows. Trying to scare kids. Plus. In our case. Our windows are like eight feet off the ground. Or more. And that's just on the first level. There's no way a typical human dressed as a clown could look through a window, even if he were randomly in our backyard. And if he was, what would he do? Or what would we do? And so, you know, I fill in some of the blanks. He fills in some of the blanks. What would we do if there was a person dressed as a clown? And I started saying it that way. What is the, if there was a person dressed... In a costume, like a clown, in our backyard, what would we do? And little kid mine wants to say, oh, you go fight him. 
No. I said, we, we, what would we really do? What would I do? He said, you'd call the police. Yes. And you know what? They'd take him away. They'd come and get him and take him away. Really? Like, yes. It's called trespassing. When you're not, when you're not supposed to be on somebody's property, that's trespassing. So I'm throwing all kinds of practical on top of these irrational fears. All kinds of evidence that he's pulling out of his own mind to, to, that will fight that randomness in his head. I said, what else scares you? Well, the space under the door in the bathroom. I think things will slide in. I'm like, what? What things? I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, could anything fit under that door that could hurt you? No. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm guessing a little blue ninja smurf might be able to get in there, but I, don't, I doubt he could open the shower door. And he kind of laughs. But what could really get under there? And, and he couldn't think of it for a second. And I said, bugs. Yeah. And what happens if a bug crawls under there? That's just normal scary. You just step on it or squish it or holler and I'll come get it for you. You know, no big deal. But there is nothing on earth that could fit under the space under that door as far as he's concerned. He doesn't have to know about octopuses and how they can squeeze through tiny spaces. So can you think of anything? And he would say, no, I can't. I can't think of anything that would fit under there. Um, also explained to him just some basics about the house. It's like, you're downstairs. You know, there are, there are window, the windows are barred. The back door is, uh, double bolted. I mean, uh, barred, uh, anybody that came in would have to come in through the doors, you know, clowns or otherwise, and they would have to right, go right past us which isn't going to happen because first of all, our doors are locked. And then secondly, I would stop them and you know, your, your door is locked. So there's so many levels of protection going on. Um, it's, it just doesn't, uh, it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense for you. Um, I mean, I understand the fear, but do you realize how it, it doesn't make sense? And he's like, yeah, yeah. So um, my next step was trying to relate with him, sharing my own fear stories. Because we were all scared of something as a child, some more than others. I mentioned earlier I was a very scared child. So I told him, I know exactly how it feels to be scared. Not even scared of anything, just scared. Just scared of being scared. I had a huge glass window. He had mentioned, you know, the clowns at the window. I had a huge glass window at the head of my bed. And I remember having to make my bed one time at night in that big black window looking at me. And I was screaming in fear because my folks were just trying to make me face it without any coping skills, without any support. And, um, I, I dealt with fear all the way up in high school. So, um, I told him that, and I challenged him. And that's the next part. Nobody taught me how to handle it. I was afraid all the way up through high school, I told him. A lot of times. Do you want to be a teenager and still be frightened like a kid? And he said no. So he's on board at that point. He has accepted the challenge. 
Do you want to be afraid anymore? No. Do you want to know what to do to fix this? Yes. How can we do that? Well, my next phase was explaining how fear works so that I could remove the mystery of fear. That's kind of the thing of this whole deal is building evidence. And one of those things is taking that. Remember I said I was afraid of being afraid as as scared of being scared. Um, We're going to take the mystery out of fear and show how it works. So I told him and, and don't hold me to this. This is not scientific. I'm sure. But it's just the way I've experienced my mind. So I said, there's two parts to your mind, the conscious and the unconscious. The unconscious mind is the part that takes over when you're asleep. It has all the feelings and the fears and the ideas, and it just goes crazy doing whatever it wants when you're asleep. That's why when you tell someone a dream, it's boring to them because they, because so much of our dreams are, uh, you know, come from how we feel during them. So your unconscious mind holds feelings, emotions, ideas, and fears, which even affect us when we're awake. In your case, it's making you afraid of things that you don't really have to be afraid of. And that's why I wanted you to hear yourself say what those, that those characters were fake and the clowns were just peoples in costumes and that nothing could fit under your door. You can take the senseless fears and process them with your conscious mind the, the mind part of your mind you can control and you can change your thinking and fight the feelings with facts. So um, I told him then I kind of bragged on him a little bit. I, I'll call this the involvement phase. I said, I remember when you used to check up in the towel closet to see if a ninja or something was hiding in the top. And he kind of smiled. I'm like, when you saw that no one was up there, I, I know it made you feel better. You probably didn't even worry about ninjas the whole shower because you used your thinking skills to find evidence that would prove the fear was wrong. And he's like, yeah, that's, that's exactly how that went. I said, well, that's what we're going to do right now. So we went down to the basement and we opened the everything. We opened the whole place. First, we started with a little closet under the stairs. Looked in there, light light in there. Uh, there's no room for anybody. There's nothing in there. Um, we went into the uh, the unfinished part where my shop is to the back uh, door. And I showed him the bars on the doors and even showed him how it was when we first moved in where if you, if you somehow picked the lock, you would be able to open the door just enough to hit the bar and then move the bar like with a stick or something. I said, I, I doubled done it now. We got extra stuff in here to where even if you unlock the door, you still can't open the door. It's impossible. He's like, wow, wow. I said, so have a look around. I said, I also want to remind you that all of these um, windows down here are very small. Very, very difficult, if, if at all, impossible to get in and out of. And they're all barred. They, they have bars on them. Very decorative bars, actually. So then we checked my office. Turned out that there was a scary um, music playing from a game I had paused. So we, we turned that off. We checked the closet. We checked the kids' uh, fun room, media room, whatever you want to call it. Uh, where we make them stay so they can mess up only one part of the house. 
and uh, check the closets. Everything's empty. Everything's fine. I said, you're going to be in there with your music. The lights are on. Um, you know, I got to go upstairs and do some stuff. You play your music and you're going to know no matter what your brain tells you that there is nothing out there because you checked, you checked everything. We did it together. So, um, oh, and yeah, that he, there was a lock on his door too. So there's like multiple layers of protection and reminded him about how somebody would have to get through a locked front door or a locked back door. And then they would have to get through, you know, us and they would have to know you were down here. And, and, and there, you know, cause there's a lot of mysteriousness to the children's fears, a lot of irrational stuff because they don't know. They still kind of believe in magic and things could just appear or disappear. And at 10 years old, it's definitely time to start disproving those um, or educating them enough to where they can make up their mind about those kinds of things. It's not real. So then we moved into a lesson. I'm a former children's pastor uh, it's, it's in my nature. So I, I related to fear as something that he already dealt with in a different way and is, and is it successful in doing so? And that thing was temptation. I said, fears are like temptations. Temptations are urges to do something you know is wrong. Fears come pelting down on your brain like darts. And they're saying stuff like, what if, what if a ninja smurf snuck under the door and killed you? And just like temptation, you have two options. You fall for it or you refuse to fall at all. And when you're tempted to eat a cookie that you're not supposed to, you have to talk yourself out of it if you really want to. And when you do that, it helps to remember the rules of the house, the, the consequences of doing it. And uh, at least in our house, uh, we worry about what God says about stealing. Uh, spoiler, it's do not steal. I said it's the same with fears. When they come, you can fall for them or you can fight them. Oh, the ninja smurf, Jay, it's coming under the door. <laughs> How can you fight that kind of fear? Nothing can fit under that door. Smurfs, especially ninja smurfs, are not real. He's, he's telling me these things. I checked outside before and there are no Smurfs. Exactly. God says also that a mind controlled by the Spirit of God is life and peace. The exact opposite of the two fears that you mentioned. Being killed and having fear and being afraid. Life and peace instead of death and fear. So you do what you need to do to prove the thoughts wrong and God's got your back, literally. Lastly, um, I don't know, I, was, I thought I was done, but I felt like I needed to bring it all home, uh, literally home. Um, so I said, one last thing, bud. It seems like whenever we people, when we look forward in life to something that is difficult or scary, some reason we always imagine that we're having to face it or do it alone. So when you go down to that shower, you may be alone in that room, but we're all here with you 
Even if the Smurf Ninja did manage to become real and get in as soon as I heard... Uh, <laughs> even if he managed to be real and I, I would get in and I would go down there as soon as I heard you scream. Don't I always come running? Yes. Yes, you do. I'd squish that little blue thing till he looked like that strawberry mom stepped on earlier today in the kitchen. And he laughs again. So go get your music set up. Try out some of the things we talked about. Because um, basically, I just wanted to get across the point to him that he doesn't face any of this alone. I did when I was a kid, and it was horrible. He has me. He has his mom. He has his sister. And I'm not going to hold his hand and and you know kiss his little head and, and beg him to take a shower even though he's scared. I'm not going to put on uh, a, a, a what a, what's the extreme here um, a, a, a blindfold and go sit in the bathroom while he showers so I can't see him but he knows I'm there that you know what I'm sure people have done everything possible to help appease their kids but it's not about making it convenient for you or even for them it's about teaching them, I don't know. Discipline is not uh, always a punishment. It's training a child in the way they should go. It's providing an atmosphere that instigates kids moving toward what is good instead of what is bad. Because the world's current, its atmosphere pushes us toward the bad. And it rewards bad behavior oftentimes. Um, and and kind of looks down on truth and reality and and likes to replace it with a lie so you, my job in my home is to create that atmosphere a current if you will a microcosm of the world where things work a little more like they should recently i i've started calling it a, a little bit of heaven on earth um because i believe that wherever god's will is done on earth as it is in heaven and one of those places is my home, um, that we're literally getting a preview of what the new earth and new heaven will look like, uh, as described in the um, book of Revelation, uh, as, as the world originally was when it was first created. Um, anyway, I'm getting, getting <laughs> a little deep there. But um, I want to train him. The, the ultimate goal of discipline is not to make a kid be good um, or even teach a kid to be good. Uh, the goal of discipline ultimately is to make them more like Christ. That is the goal. It's not so he's not annoying <laughs> or, or whatever. It's to teach him that the realities uh, and, the, and the truth of the word of God um, can overcome the darkness. I said, and I even related that to him. I says, you know, the Bible says that even a little bit of light, you know, chases out the darkness. You can see where you're going, you know. He's like, yeah, that's right, because the electricity went out a couple days ago. Yeah, it fills up the whole room. Like, exactly. said light, just a little bit, can defeat the darkness. And so that's what you have today. You have the truth. You have tools that you can use to think, but you're going to have to use them. And you're going to have to go in there and face it by yourself. 
And so I, he went in, he did ask me to wait until his music was on. Um, he's not allowed to have devices in the bathroom. Um, that's in preparation for puberty. <laughs> um, like I said, if it's not right at 16, it's not right at 10. But uh, he is allowed to have a Bluetooth speaker in there, and then he sets his music playlist outside the bathroom. So he got that set up, and he closed the door, and I went about my business. And um, some time passed by, and he got put to bed, and Jen's like, have you talked to Jay? He really wants to talk to you. and I, he's, he's really excited, very happy. I was like, wow. So, I, you know. I was, I was, uh, I was, I just went up there and his face is beaming. He's like, dad, it worked. It worked. He, oh, he just, he kept smiling and he's like, I was, I was able to have, I mean, just enjoy my shower. And it was a long shower. He's in there like eight minutes, which that's versing versus 30 seconds to a minute and a half. Uh, what I call a fear shower. And he hasn't been able to enjoy it for so long. And, and he was so proud and it did, it worked. And he just kept hugging me and hugging me and hugging me. <laughs> and, and then when I left, uh, he comes down from the stairs of his little bed again and hugs me again. And, uh, and I said, remember though, and just one more little teachable moment, just a review. Maybe I said, you're not free of fear right now. You beat it, but it's like temptation and it's going to come back and you're going to have fears, try to sneak in there and, and make you believe them. Just keep using the tools we talked about and your mind will eventually be fear free. And that's true. I mean, when we grow up, we trade fears, uh, irrational fears. Some, some of us, uh, for more practical fears, but even so, most of those things are things we can't control or have no influence over. Um, and, and these methods work in that situation, too. You know, if you've got this big thing coming up Monday that, uh, that you know you did, a, you, you know, you, maybe a test you know, for college or something, and you know you failed it, um, sitting there and obsessing over it for two days and during the weekend um, is not going to help anything. You you can't sit there and, and fret and stress. You'll drive yourself nuts. So, you know, using methods like this like, uh, to, to build evidence against the fear um, will help. Also, deep breathing helps as well. So I hope this uh, shorter than normal um, episode uh, helped you out. Let me let me just recap the points uh, in, 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 in order, identify the real issue, you know, make sure your kid, uh, really, you know, make sure you know what the child is really going through. Ask siblings, uh, that, that seemed to work with me, Jenna, giving us some insight, um, lead a conversation, meaning you're helping that kid to build evidence against his fears, ask him what he's afraid of. Why is he afraid of it? How practical is it? Is it real? Um, you know, and, and I'll add this in as bonus content. One of the, uh, the killing part, um, he had one fear that wasn't as irrational and that was, um, that he would be shot. 
we live in South City, St. Louis. Our neighborhood is a great neighborhood. It's very, you know, the there is a lot of shootings. There's a lot of racial tensions. There's a lot of drug activities. St. Louis needs Jesus, basically, hardcore. Um, but we hear about shootings. And, um, and then now it's 4th of July, and it's hard to tell a firework from a pistol popping sometimes. And um, he, he's rightfully freaked out. But I was able to lead him using the same processes through that as well and say, Jay, do you know where most of the shooting happens? It's in, in the neighborhood across uh, Jefferson. It's, it's not, it, it, and it's in North County. Um, and it's not here in this neighborhood, in, the, in our neighborhood. I said, most folks, I've been reading the paper, most folks that are shot, are shot over drugs or gangs. And and even that's mostly drugs related. Um, I said, uh, we're not involved in drugs. So, you know, I said, it's. I know you, it's tempting to think that it's just the poor people that are scary. Um, I said, but buddy, we got, we got folks that I would consider, you know, poor living on our street. I said, well, what about the guy with the dog that walks it up and down the street here? Are you scared of him? No, no. Do you think he would shoot you? No, exactly. So it's not everybody. That's the big thing. It's just certain people. And those certain people are only interested in killing each other. So um, gave him the tools he needed to be able to feel safe in his home. And the city is hard, but... Um, I prefer it to the suburbs. I think uh, kids that have real issues are going to grow up better than kids that uh, their biggest issue is that their pony didn't win first place at the uh, Pony Awards. All right, so where was I? Um, Yeah, so lead a conversation. And I gave you an example. Uh, Relate to your kids. These don't necessarily have to be done in order. Um, it's just how I did it. But tell your kids your own fear stories. Temper them. I chose a silly fear story, like being scared of Dr. Seuss or um, you know things like that. I did not talk about the time my parents had me watch a documentary on backward masking that scared the H-E double hockey sticks out of me for months uh, of nights. Um. I, I shared a silly one, an irrational one. But uh, so so challenge them would be the next one to fight their fears. Fight those fears. Get them ready. May, help them make the right decision. Um, we don't make decisions for them. Um, sometimes we have to. But the best thing you can do is lead them to the right decision. That way it's theirs. They own it. They're practicing making good choices. And so... Um, If he had said no, I would have respected that. I would have tried to talk him out of it. I would have given him um, lots of evidence to show that, you know, fighting this is going to make you happier. But if you remember how I told the story, I mean, I built it up to where, yes, I want to fight this would be the only answer he could give anyway. Um, So explain how fear works. 
remove the mystery out of fear. It's not this spooky ghost thing in Scooby-Doo running around through walls and crap. It's a feeling. It's an emotion. It's, um, and it's not a, it's fake. It's as fake as dreams. Um, you know, you wake up from a nightmare and you still might be upset, but you're so relieved that it's not real because you know instantly and you can talk yourself out of the fear the older you get anyway. Uh, those emotional dreams are not so easy, but uh, the fearful ones are. You just wake up sometimes, I do, and I'm like, oh gosh, thank God I wasn't really falling down that 150 foot cliff in my brand new truck. Um, and then go back to sleep. But involvement is important. Dear God, in my case, uh, as a child, that would have been so great for somebody to have gotten involved and be there with me as I processed the uh, things that they should have taught me. Um, I'm, I'm telling you, Backward Masking Unmasked uh, was a book, and then it was a big hot thing, hot topic in the 80s. And uh, so was a lot of cult stuff like people believe there were cults all over the country and that uh demons were uh just waiting to get inside your kids and stuff and um so there's a lot of fear literally a lot of fear and superstition um which has no place in christianity but um i mean people can have fear and be a christian we don't kick you out or anything but uh yeah, I, I used to run the lyrics to a Blondie song, um, Die Young, Stay Pretty. Now, that wasn't backward masked, um, but it scared me to death. I don't even, I, 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 I listened to it the other day on Pandora or Google Play, and it's not even a slow, scary song. I swear they slowed it down. To make it more, because this is how I remembered it. It was like, die young, stay pretty. Okay. And then if you hear the song, it's almost like a Caribbean, Caribbean theme, you know, you know. Uh, so anyway, out of context, it's the scariest thing in the world to a kid. Die young, stay pretty. Oh, they're encouraging kids. To kill themselves. And, and may, you know, I don't think that's the point of the song. Um, it, it, would, it would be kind of counterproductive to do, to take your best fans and um, plant seeds of, uh, of, of self-harm in their minds so that they therefore would do those things and then not buy your next album because they're dead. It just doesn't make sense on any level. There's me rational. <laughs> Taking the mystery out of backward masking. But that crap ate my lunch. And, um, oh, it's horrible. Uh, so, um, if somebody had done for me what I was able to do for him in one night, it was just a one night conversation. It's maybe less than an hour. Good Lord. The whole course of my life would be changed. Um, so in involvement, we mentioned uh, lesson time. If if you have it in you, um, teach teach them about temptation. Teach them about. I really believe that 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 fear is just another. It's not like temptation. It is a temptation. It is a temptation 
to be afraid. Uh, just like you can have a temptation to steal or a temptation to um, do something, anything you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to be afraid. It's not good for you. It's bad on your heart, your blood rate, whatever that is. And um, so uh, teach them how to fight tem temptation, something they're already hopefully familiar with, the concept of temptation. Jay didn't know what temptation meant, but he knew what it was. He just didn't know what the name was. So once I defined it, he's like, oh, yeah, 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 I know how to fight that. Well, it's the same thing, dude. You, you already have the skills was the whole point. You already have the skills you need to fight it. And then lastly, bring it home. And this is where I'm saying again, it's so important that your relationship with your kids is spot on and um, that they respect you and love you and look up to you. Um, so many parents these days, unfortunately, try to be their kids' friends. And uh, friendship is definitely a part of it. I love my boy. We play games together. Uh, but he knows when I tell him it's time to go to bed, it's time to go to bed. When I tell him it's time to feed the dog, it's time to feed the dog. Um, there is mutual respect there. I, I love him. I love hanging out with him. He loves me. He loves hanging out with me. Um, but a relationship that is not based on mutual respect is a bad relationship. And it, it typically ends up being parents coddling their children these days and, and children being absolutely miserable with it having every one of their needs met and they can't be happy because they've never been taught gratefulness. They've never had to suffer. They've never been hungry. They've never been alone and, and they can't handle it. And then they go to school and they manipulate their friends because friends should do what I want them to do. And Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully your relationship with your kids is as I believe God intended it, um, where your kids respect you and uh, you love them and they love you. They can depend on you. They know that you are the source of, of their life and the life that they currently have. Um, hopefully they are grateful and uh, have been taught um, that you will be there for them and you are there for them because that crap, drives out a multitude of fears. <laughs> if you if you have any questions about any of this stuff, please feel free to ask. If you want to know more about how I handle um, discipline, and, and I, I think it's my strongest suit, and it's the most balanced thing about me, mostly because uh, so many things in my life weren't fair, weren't handled properly, and um, and weren't consistent. Like you never knew when you were going to get in trouble because it was based on somebody's mood. Um, if you need help with stuff like that, or you just want to hear my take on it, you can go back and listen to three past episodes of the GOK here. Uh, 54 is called On Discipline. 55, Discipline in Detail, Part 1. And 56, Discipline in Detail, Part 2. I'll read you the, the, the uh, show notes here. An undisciplined child is a miserable child. See, that's what I was talking about a minute ago. Today, I'm talking about the importance of proper discipline when it comes to our children. And uh, your feedback or questions will be addressed on the next episode. So, uh, discipline in detail, part one. If last episode was a survey of proper discipline, 
This episode is indeed an in-detail look at what discipline is, what it's not, why it's important, how to establish rewards and consequences, as well as the introduction of the consequence ladder and a review of the behavior diagram so <laughs> you know when to punish and when to, re and to, when to reward. It's basically taking the emotion out of punishment. Uh, if you're a person that gets mad and tends to punish more when they're mad or let your kids get away with murder when you're happy, um, the behavior diagram and the consequence ladder work together to help you to um, discipline consistently instead of out of emotion. And then discipline in detail part two. Part two of our look at proper discipline in the home is what God expects from parents and kids both. Lots of scriptures in this one and a ton of common sense. So I hope you'll go check those out and send me your uh, feedback. You can send such things to james at nlcast.com. N as in Nancy, L as in Lima, cast.com. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at nlcast. You can even call me and leave a message at 2095-NLCAST. That's 209-565-2278. And then, of course, there is the Facebook community group that is a great place to join no matter what show you enjoy from the NLCast Network. Currently, this is the only one being produced, but there are more in the in the works. You can you can go there and meet up with a bunch of great people. And because uh, if you like my voice and they like my voice, you already have something in common. So it's, it's really great. And just lastly, I'd like to thank our supporters on Patreon for sponsoring this episode. You guys have a great uh, week. I, I'm trying to get this one out on Tuesday, like I promised. So it's a little quick from the last one, but now we're back on track. I uh, hope you guys have a great Independence Day and some time off, and you don't blow your fingers off. Take care.